It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Podcast. My name is Craig Cairns and I am losing my edge. On tonight's show, we're going to analyse a sensational away win for Scotland against a former European Championship finalist before delving back into the archives and looking at what's next on our most memorable Scotland matches list, voted for by the public, which, as we all know, never goes wrong. And joining me to go through all that, we have, first of all, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And we also have Tom Watt. Hello, how are we doing? Very well, thanks. Scotland got a sensational victory last night in the Czech Republic, coming from behind, no less. Um, that's us unbeaten in five, including four wins. Best run of results since 2017. We currently sit top of our nation's league group. Uh, we have a winnable semi-final coming up, potential final uh, and qualification for a major tournament for the first time in 23 years. So tell me, Sean, why is everybody being so negative? <laughs> I, 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 I tell you from, from my point of view never again am I making the, the schoolboy type error of Craig Fowler asking when everybody's available and then me saying I'm available after a, after a Scotland game F- 15 minutes in last night and I was thinking to myself right I could be watching I could be watching Married at First Sight Australia which runs from half past seven until nine then I think last night was the first episode of Love Island USA. So I could have been watching that from nine to 10. And instead I was watching Scott McTominay having uh, an out of body experience against some mid table Czech jobbers. I, I, mean, I mean, to be fair, after, after about half an hour, it became morbidly fascinating in terms of how are we, how are we going to get out of this? Are, are we going to win? Are we going to get stuffed? Are we going to somehow creep to a draw? Uh, it was it was excruciating actually but I, I, I do like the fact that you have accentuated the, the, the positives because if, if I'm going to talk about the positives I think I think Steve Clark said beforehand uh, that he he thought performance was as important as a result 
I, I don't think it was. I, I think the result was was all important. And if you want to be mega positive, uh, we've got four points for the first two games on paper. Well, well, before then, the entire squad got 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 riddled with with, with COVID. This is far and away our, our, our most uh, difficult game, and and we've won it. And and you would like to think that we can't play as poor again going forward. Our next two games are at home, and and I would I, I wouldn't like to suggest that we're in the driving seat for winning this group. But but we're in a decent position for 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 winning this group, if we could possibly pick a a, a different formation that that might help, and maybe some different players as well. So it was, it, I mean there was some there was some that was some exceptional turd polishing at the start there, Craig. Uh, Thanks. I, I think it was uh, it was like a stoppable force against a movable object. It was it was I mean I, I think. Right, we'll get through this quickly because so we can get on to the actual highlights of the game, which was almost all talking points. The good, like Dykes is obviously up to it and was was pretty good again. A win and four points, historic, you know, in, in, in five years' time, that'll be kind of what's remembered and it was our toughest fixture. Clark said we were on a hiding to nothing. We kind of were, we sort of were. Um, um, we did when Andy Robertson was, said it was a good defensive performance and it, it kind of was at the end a bit uh, David Marshall was good Liam Palmer is almost certainly our most, our best all round right back is it a good defensive performance if your goalkeeper is, is arguably your best player and they're fluffing sitters all over the place. I and think and, that's and, it. and a, guy's, a guy's curling into a ball instead of scoring an open goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think overall, I think the, the, the quality of the opposition was probably downplayed. I think they were better, like the, the players that played were probably better than a number of international teams. But the fact that they've been thrown together and never played before, and we were obviously, like, we had better players in every single position, and we did have to rely on. Two very good Gordon Marshall saves, them hitting the post, them hitting the woodwork a couple of times, and like a black hole opening up uh, in front of Deco, and he sort of crumples into, it's like he gets folded in half as the ball comes across him. And we had to rely on all of that to grind out a win that we, well, we only actually won it through a penalty. It, it's quite hard to, to like, it's just, it's a, I mean, it's a relief that it's over. And yes, we've got. We surely can't get any worse. And somehow we are in. It's the it's the kind of position that Ireland usually find themselves in. That you, you're shite and you're 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 the worst you've been in years. But somehow, oh, you're in the playoffs. And oh, you need to. You're in the Euros, and you've made it through the first group round by winning like four games from ten or something. And it, it felt a little bit like that. Um, I I think. The, the 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 Czech team were probably a little bit better man for man than than was made out. They played a system that was quite. There, there's some lessons to learn. They played a simple a system that they all clearly understood, which was a massive advantage over us. <laughs> uh, they were quite cohesive and and kind of up for it, uh, which again was a huge advantage over over what it looked like we had. Um, and I guess that's kind of the worry was that the biggest worry was that they didn't have to think 
or try particularly hard to make us look pretty average. Do, do we have any kind of momentum from this? Does, does momentum come just from results or do you need the performance to go along with that? I, I think there should in theory be a, a, a lack of fear. Like you get a confidence from knowing we've got a wee bit of a cushion now. Like we weren't expecting four points from um, from from the first two games and certainly not, wouldn't have been expect, we wouldn't have been banking on winning uh, away from home against the Czech Republic so there must there must be some sort of confidence from it but it's hard to know like I think the, off, off the back of the last two Scotland games and in fact off the back of Steve Clark's time there were a bunch of questions when he came in I think there are more questions not you know and certainly not his fault but there are more questions about formation personnel how we're using players how we're setting things up than there probably were two or three games ago so, I, I, I hope sure. there's momentum, but but whether there is or not, I'm not so sure. So, so what, we're five games unbeaten, but who is that against? So that was against two against Israel, Kyrgyzstan, is that right? No, Cyprus, San Marino, Israel, and a, a Czech Republic B team, and and I think one clean I, sheet I, I in that time. Imagine, I can't imagine the players that are, are immune to the fact that the. The general perception of how they played last night and and on Friday was 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 poor. So so I as much as you would think four wins and a draw, maybe we can build up some momentum behind that. I'm not so sure we can. Well, let's go back to the team selection. There was five changes made. Did well, we'll stick with you, Sean? Did you have any qualms about the changes that were made? Uh, I was. I, would, I mean. In the, the obvious one is Tierney being dropped. I mean, bear in mind the, the the consensus behind three at the back was it's so we can pick Tierney at centre half and then still have Andy Robertson in the team as well. I I now, I now don't know if, if that was the case. I'm, I'm now starting to wonder if it was we're playing that formation so we can play as many central midfielders as possible or, or as many as midfielders as possible. I mean, there was a. I can't remember who was. I can't remember who was talking about it on on the podcast recently, and I can't remember what team it was about. But there was a discussion about uh, one of the one of the managers in, in the Premiership this season has been picking a lot of forwards, a lot, a lot of strikers, and the, the the chat was about you can't just shoehorn strikers. Ross County. I think it was Ross County and Ross Stewart Ross it referred County. to. I think so. I think you it was Fowler. On a load of forwards into a team, I just necessarily expect them to have loads of shots at goal or create loads of chances there still needs to be how are you going to deploy these forwards how are you going to get the ball to them how, how are you going to make the best use of them and I'm now starting to think that there's a similar situation with the Scotland team so, so our midfielders can probably be split up into two we've, we've got some defensive midfielders and we've got a load of number 10s and, and, and I'm sure Steve Clark does have a plan and I'm not entirely sure what it is but it kind of feels like we're shoehorning a load of number 10s into the team and then just expecting something to happen, and and I, and I, I I don't think that's I don't think that's ever going to work. And and I kind of felt that I felt that last night. I felt like that on 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 Friday. In terms of in terms of last night's team, uh, I'm not sure about McLean as a defensive midfielder. Uh, I, I hear he, he's had a good season in Norwich. That, that's absolutely fine. In terms of what I've seen from him. And I, I don't know if I particularly rate him. I, I, I thought of the of of the two probably defensive midfielders that started over the two games. I probably preferred Ryan Jack. I thought Ryan Jack probably 
He probably broke up more attacks. He probably made more tackles. He probably made more interceptions. He probably he, he probably kept uh, he probably kept that a bit more simple. I mean, McLean. There was a few people that fought for the goal, but, but McLean kind of gave it away to to, to start with. I was, I was surprised at how many changes there were. And again, that's also a concern. I mean, I mean, is, is Steve Clark making a lot of changes because he doesn't know what his strongest squad was? Or what his strongest starting eleven is? Is he making a load of changes because he has agreements with, with with kind of club managers? Is he making a load of changes because he wasn't happy happy with Friday? I, I, I don't know. There's just... I think I think there's a combination between the three there because I do think there's going to be some players that have had injury troubles recently. Like John McGinn was talking about after the game on Friday that he was just coming back from injury. I think that's why he didn't play last night because he has been one of the keys to the success that Clark has had. He's played like a second striker almost and he and he's uh, he's done very well. So I think if he was fit, he would have been playing last night. I think you can maybe say something similar about Tierney. But then when you look at the likes of... Forrest didn't look very good in the wing-back role and Palmer's coming in and done, uh, performed better there. So I think that's maybe like that decision. So yeah, I think it's probably a combination between some of them. But but one of the things is the midfield, you, you make a good point with the midfield because we have so many good midfielders at the moment playing at a decent level in the English Premier League and winning tons of things in Scotland with Celtic, yet none of them seem to turn up that often for our national team. I, I mean, I think the other thing that was a bit of a puzzle about the selection is you're playing the guys together who haven't played. You know, they, none of the, they, like you're playing the. You know, you're playing John Fleck. You're playing Stuart Armstrong. Playing Kenny McLean. None of them have played since the. They've not played in two months. Like the one advantage is we, that we've. Well, one of the several advantages we've got over the Czech team um, is is fitness and that we're up to speed and that you know, most of the players have played at international level or have played a couple more. I think the, the Czech league's only two matches in so you're playing the guys together and you'd think that if there's some plan to to kind of phase it or move move things around we've got enough talent we've got I mean it's not like we've got a, a Man United midfielder sitting spare that we're try, desperately trying to shoehorn in somewhere else who's played football a little bit more recently than the end of the Premier League season and um, getting them all in together seemed seemed daft and I think it showed I think the way it was the, the, I, I don't I, I do rate Kenny McLean I think he's a good player I think he's good for Norwich but and I think he's actually been relatively good for Scotland when he's when he's played he, he finds another level sometimes but he's never a defensive player like he, he, he can play as a deep lying playmaker but if, if you've if you want someone to sit in front of the defence the best player we have is Ryan Jack and you would imagine he would want to play regularly for Scotland because it's taken him long enough to get a call up. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think not just looking at the not just looking at the players that we've got in the squad. You, you know, Jack Fleck, McLean, McGinn, Christie can play uh, a, a little bit further back. McGregor is a huge problem because he's going to be in every single squad until he's not fit. But he, I, I don't. He certainly not played a good Scotland game in a in a year or more. I don't know if he's ever played a good Scotland game. He's certainly not played to the same level as he does for Celtic. Stuart Armstrong, McTominay, who I think we can all close the book on this experiment with him playing in uh, as a centre-back, 
surely. Um, but there's a bunch of players that are that are kind of knocking on the door. That you know, your your Billy Gilmore's and and Turnbulls and Alan Campbell, Lewis Ferguson, Lewis Ferguson, players like that who are who are playing at a good level for the under twenty ones or or at good level club level who could easily come in and do a job. The midfield is really strong. It, we've got a lot of depth and a lot of players are playing at a really high level. The fact that we're getting overrun there is is a worry. And I think the, the McTominay issue has to be part of that because not only are we... not like by, by playing him in the back three, not only is he an obvious weak link in defence, but potentially we, we, we're also losing a, a, a player who can is very, very capable and must be amongst our most effective midfield players. He can play further forward. He can play as a holding player. You know, he, he scored a bunch of important goals. I think he only got four or five last season for Man United, but he got a, a goal against Arsenal. He scored the winner against Man City. He, he He's a goal threat. He can break things up. He's, he's an all-round midfielder who's only going to get better playing regularly for Man United. So having him in, in defence weakens him there and not having him as an option. Because I think, he, to Sean's point, we do have defensive midfielders and attacking midfielders. McTominay seems to be the one who... He could be a six, he could be an eight, he could be a ten. Yeah, and someone else, I suppose, who hasn't really turned up much for Scotland recently as well is Andy Robertson and just can't put my finger on it. I mean, this guy's won the English Premier League and the Champions League in recent times and yet we struggle to get a decent performance out of him. What, 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 why is that? I mean, I, I don't expect you guys to answer. Actually, the silence says <laughs> it all. It, it's 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 weird though. It's it's like you you watch Liverpool play, and in a team of world class players, every time Andy Robertson gets the ball, you like you, you wouldn't even need to see his name. You know, you know from the way he plays for Liverpool, Andy Robertson's on the ball, and he's he's running at players, and fullbacks are terrified of him, and like. It, he is arguably the best left back in the world. For Scotland, you would be forgiven if it was back to like the days of Paul Dixon playing. There's no, I mean, we it wasn't that long ago. I mean, we'll, we'll, the game we're covering later, uh, later on when we had two right backs playing, so we did not have a left back. We've got incredible amounts of depth at left back, and it's worrying that we've got such a talented left back for club that is. He's, he's got to play every time, but it's the one area that if, you know, if he pulled out at the moment, we might actually be stronger in left-back position because whoever it is that is going to come in and, and cover, it might up their game a little bit. It's so strange though, because, I mean, even the, the interview with him afterwards, he looked kind of starstruck and not really sure what to make of it. And he's usually quite affable and, He's, he's usually very good with the media and he, you know, Scotland had one after all, but he just sort of looked like he didn't really know, he didn't know what to say and he, he was choosing his words very carefully and be very diplomatic about it. So, I, no idea. I, it, it's, a, it's a mystery. We, we, we can't even really say, well, at, at club level, he, he's surrounded by world-class players. And, and so when he when he goes to an international game, he is you know, like his game is is tapered by his his teammates because 
So you look at somebody like, and again, it's probably not the, the greatest comparison, but Bale. Bale plays for Wales, and and Bale, Bale will stick out like a sore thumb. And I appreciate it's it's easier to stick out when you're when you're playing for the forward or, or when you're, you're you're getting played up front. But Bale Bale doesn't get dragged down, whereas Robertson does seem to get dragged down by by what's round about him. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I do think that. That Robertson's best aspects in, in a Liverpool jersey is, is going forward. I mean, I think the amount of chances he created for Liverpool and the amount of goals that he set up for Liverpool uh, were extremely high for, for a fullback in, in that league. I, I'm, I'm not sure if Robertson is the, the best defender when, when it comes to being a fullback, but, but Scotland, he, he doesn't have that going forward. And as to why that is, and I, I don't know. I don't know, and I wish I knew, and I wish everybody, presumably everybody wishes I knew. Yeah, I mean, he, there, there, there might be a part of it. That I think there is a there is also a part of it that he, he he's not a wing back. Yeah, that's like, what I was just about to say. Back. He yeah. actually he gets he, he said gets it a himself lot of joy by he gets a lot of joy from the fact that he get, he he can get a run on people, um at at club level and the way that Liverpool play, they do tend to play full back to full back. You know, they play these long balls across, um a lot very difficult thing to do but if you can do it it opens up space so far uh, and and I think that's kind of where where he's played all his career so uh, again the the three at the back may be the future f- if we can make it work and I have huge doubts over that but I think you're to try and shoehorn in better players in other positions or, or certainly perceived better players in other positions we're not getting the best from some players who are going to start every time Right, let's look at some positives now, one of them over the two games actually was uh, Lyndon Dykes and not only does he seem like a typical international striker that's able to facilitate and occupy a couple of defenders and get runners around him and that kind of thing he bagged his first goal for Scotland last night which I think I can speak for everybody on the Terrace podcast and say we were thoroughly delighted to see that I, I I was genuinely worried uh, to, to a degree because I, I was worried as I was, I was worried as a Scotland fan and I was worried as a as a Lyndon Dykes fan and I was worried because you invited them to stay in your house for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, don't invite them to your to your marital home. Uh, no, I was worried because. I, I, I didn't want because we I think we've championed them for a while I think we've championed them at, at a kind of lower league level we've championed them at uh, kind of premiership level and I suppose we've been we've been Lyndon Dyke fanboys for a while and I, I think it was Joel I, I think it, it may have been Joel that mentioned it first maybe no but Joel had said something along the lines of uh, not only would he like to see Scotland playing in a Livingston style I think he might have said he would love to see somebody like Dykes playing up front for Scotland, somebody who was just almost like an, an agitator. It, it was kind of what we lacked. I think and he compared to Kenny Miller. I was a bit worried that, that maybe he, he wouldn't be up to it. I, I, I thought he would, but I was worried that, firstly, from a, from a Scotland fan point of view, that maybe he wouldn't be up to it. And from a Lyndon Dykes point of view, I was worried that he had committed himself to Scotland and maybe he would end up having one, two, three games for us wouldn't make a mark and and let's face it, it bear in mind what he had playing behind him for the last couple of games you, you wouldn't blame him if he didn't if he didn't really make his mark but actually he did and uh, I, I thought he held the ball up he held the ball up pretty well I thought he played others uh, in the game when they were close enough to him I thought he took his goal very well 
and he, he absolutely justified his his selection, which is good because my, my concern was that he ends up playing two games for us, is never selected again, and actually he misses out on five or six expenses paid trip to Australia every year. Uh, but, but thankfully, it looks like that might not be the case. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Joel in a tweet a while back and then he was being corrected on Twitter that he was Australian and not Scottish because I think at that point we didn't know that he was actually eligible to play for Scotland. Um, you any thoughts on Dykes, uh, Tom? Yeah, I think it was the same. I mean, I kind of feel the same. that There's something really pleasing about his career trajectory and, and the way he plays. And we have, we have been so desperate for a striker. I think... There was an awful lot in the Israel game to like, and I, I think one of the one of the big, you know, positives in his favour is the moment that he went off. We looked even worse. I think is probably the the best way of putting it, rather than, you know, we were good in the first place. But I, I think he was holding the ball up well. He was a irritant, uh, and he does bring this kind of bull in China shop uh, work rate that that's going to cause problems regardless. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think over the over the two games, I think he's, uh, I'd be very surprised if he's not the go-to number nine um, this time next month. Um, and I, I don't think he's done himself any, any um, his chances, any harm whatsoever. I think we need to, we need to figure out how to get more from second balls round about him. He was very isolated in, in both games at, at times and we don't really know you know a, a player like him is going to is going to create um, opportunities for for uh, you know some a, a midfielder coming in late people dropping deep winning second balls off and we need to kind of figure out how we're going to get more from that but I think really pleasing to see what he's what he's uh, what he did really pleasing to see him get his get his goal and uh it's one of the few solved problems that we seem to have at the moment. I think we've probably been looking for somebody who is similar to Stephen Fletcher, I suppose. We probably need somebody like that. I think we all thought, or sorry, all hoped that, that Ollie McBurney might be it. And, and you know something, it might be that long-term McBurney is, is that option. Uh, but, but based on the last two games, uh, Dykes is has arguably made himself first choice potentially yeah I think as well the way, the way that we're likely to be playing we're not at any point going to be likely to playing with like a, a huge amount of you know we're not we're not going to be one that are, are going to have a problem with playing too many forwards at once um, so we've been looking so we, we are only really going to be playing with one up front for the foreseeable and other than Stephen Fletcher and Kenny Miller in the last 20 years, have we had anyone else who can do that particularly effectively for Scotland? Not really. So, uh, yeah, really pleasing to see that he can do it. And it looks like Christie can hit a penalty. Um, his one against Israel was excellent, actually. But um, should the keeper have saved that one last night? He looks like he almost pulls out of it a wee bit. It wasn't quite as good. It wasn't quite as, uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite as comprehensive. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's the sort of one that a keeper's going to be frustrated that he maybe didn't do a wee bit better with it, but you're always kind of, you need a wee bit of luck in these things as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I think Christie's another one that's just, 
there's so much to be frustrated with in the last two games because he was he, and in you know in, in general for his performances for Scotland he can be very he can be completely anonymous and get an awful lot of things wrong but he has got I think three goals and five assists in eight games for Scotland two of them fair enough for penalties but I, I think there's enough from him and the the sort of willingness to come forward and, and take on penalties when there's a bit of pressure on that you know he's another one that kind of needs to be in every 11 if he's fit uh, the the goalkeeper was impersonating Mr. Tickle as he ran <laughs> up. I think he was he was too busy impersonating him. And in, in, in terms of in, in terms of Christie, I thought he was I thought he was frustrating last night, but none more so than when he was. I mean, was that a two on one break? We're not long ago, and then he just had to to to, to slip something in, and it, it kind of tried to beat another man when it, when he didn't have to do that. And I I mean again another another example of somebody who. Who, who plays well for for his club team, but then steps into a Scotland jersey and 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 plays okay. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying Ryan Christie doesn't play well for Scotland, but I suppose we expect more. Is, is what you would say. In fairness to the goalkeeper, he's probably he, he plays his club football at right back for Banneker Strava or something <laughs> like that. So probably did better than most. You had Gordon Marshall in goals for us earlier, Tom. I. I, I I didn't want to interrupt Did you I? so I didn't pick uh, you up well, at the time know, just yeah Gordon Marshall in goals uh, Lee Miller up front <laughs> <laughs> other other namesakes are available um, so we ground out the result in the end and just to play devil's advocate to some of this negativity if you like this is what Steve Clark does go. this is what Steve <laughs> Clark does he, he grinds out results now we're quite we're worried, quite rightfully, about what Serbia... Assuming we get through the semi-final, okay? We're quite worried about what the likes of Serbia or Erling Haaland could do to us because Haaland on his own could destroy us. You see what he did to Northern Ireland last night. That could easily happen to us. But Clark thrived in those big games uh, as a club manager for Kilmarnock, routinely getting results against the likes of Rangers and Celtic. So is it maybe... Is there maybe some positivity? I mean, obviously, there always is positivity to take when you win a game, but you don't play well. But is this just a sign of things to come under Clark that we might not play well that often, but we're going to get some results? I'm not sure there's a sign of positivity. There's hope. There's, there's, there's. We've got an opportunity. We've got a chance. We're, we're only like a handful of games away from topping you know we're only half of the way of, of, uh, of games away from topping a really really fucking tough group and reaching the euros which considering we've not really played well in about two years is pretty good going i think the the what the, the most worrying thing like i mean I, I think i'm a big fan of steve clark i think he it, he, he worked miracles at Kelly. i think the the thing that's worrying me most here is what he did very well at Kelly was this is how we are going to play we're going to do things we've got a certain way of, of, of playing we're going to do the simple things well all the players know what they need to do I'm going to trust them to get on with it so he gets he got so much more from he got so much more from every single one in the in the squad I think the and again there may we, we touched on some of the factors that might maybe maybe at play there uh, about you know, squad selection, team selection, but I think the, the 
the worry for me is that he's being reactionary to what he's being told or what the the fad is in formations or what what people are doing elsewhere that anything and, and almost overthinking it because I mean even the even the the, the, the setup for uh, for last night it was described as a three one four two or a three five one one and I don't think anyone's quite sure what that was and if you can watch a Steve Clark team for ninety minutes and you're not really sure what the formation was you can be sure it didn't work because he was very I mean he has for his entire career been been very Good tactically, and um, I still think, like I touched on earlier, there are far more questions now for him than when he came in. I don't think that's a reflection necessarily on what he's done, and, and um, we are we're getting we are getting results, and you've got to point to that. Uh, but I think, how, how do we set up the defence? Who's in the defence? How do we set up the midfield? Who's in the midfield? How do we get the best out of the best? probably the best left back in the world how do we get anything if we do out of Kieran Tierney how do we get performance out of Callum McGregor who's going to be in every single squad how do we look or how do we play like or at least look like we have some confidence and and how do we want to play I don't think there's any answers around that like do we want to be possession based do we want to sit in and hit teams on the counter attack are we going to because there's there's not been any indication from any of this so far from Steve Clark and at Killy, the results were pretty immediate. I mean, they were bottom of the league when he took over. I, I'm not wanting to make a direct comparison between club and, and country, but the one of the reasons there was this very quick turnaround in, in their fortunes was he knew what he want, he knew how he wanted them to play. Tactically, it was effectively keep it simple, stupid, but trust the, the trust the, the the better players in the squad to be able to do that so I, I think there's a lot of hope there's a not there's a huge opportunity I I'm not feeling optimistic about it yet John? I think uh, I, again I, I think this has been mentioned before but I think Scotland we, we quite rightly kind of compare ourselves to the performances of or the results certainly of maybe the Republic Ireland or Wales and, and Northern Ireland. And I think sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll make a lot of the fact that they seem to have settled starting 11s. And, and I don't know if Scotland, and again, I think this has been pointed out before, I think we probably have a larger pool of players than those countries. But I think a lot of our players are at, are at the same level. And as a consequence, I sometimes think that our manager struggles to know what his best starting 11 is because we have not a large pool of players, but probably a larger pool of players that are all at reasonably the same level. Uh, whereas, I don't know, Wales might just have a core of 16 players that you say, right, out of these 16 players, that's my starting 11. Northern Ireland might have the, the same again. Here's a, here's a core of 16 players, and from that 16, that's going to be my starting 11. Uh, I, I don't know if Steve Clark still knows what his best team is, and, and that's a bit of a concern. And I think, I, I, again, when Clark was appointed, I was, I mean, I, I was really happy at, at the appointment. And I thought, or I hoped, that there would be some kind of instant improvement or uh, an, an instant, uh, you, you would recognise from a Scotland performance that there was a plan and it was being implemented. But 
in, in terms of his in terms of his performances so far off the top of my head I I think we defended reasonably well away from home against Belgium which is probably last summer I think like for about maybe the first half I thought it was obvious that he had a plan against Belgium and we were implementing it reasonably well I think we conceded later on in the first half there was patches against Cyprus away from home that I thought we played well and uh, the second half against Kazakhstan at home I thought it played quite well but other than that have, have I seen have I, have I seen a massive upgrade in Scotland performances uh, I, I'm not so sure which is a concern uh, but yes because I like Steve Clark I'm still very much hopeful that he that, that he can take us forward yeah, and we certainly weren't without our luck last night, uh, as we've kind of alluded to during all that. There was plenty uh, chances and the hitting of the post and things like that from the checks. But wins a win, and we're sitting in a decent position in this Nations League group at the moment. Support for the Terrace Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched in the UK and you could be one of the first men in the country to experience their life-changing products. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you because from personal experience, my balls are thanking me. I'm somebody who likes to keep trimmed down there, but we all know with scissors, one slip and you can end up in the emergency room, you know, at best case scenario with a very embarrassing story. So nobody wants that. There's no nicks. It's, it's a very easy thing to use. And I felt nice, fresh, clean down there afterwards. You also get some other products that come with it, such as ball deodorant, which I was a bit skeptical at it that way, but I used it. It's anti chafing you smell great perfect product so just a reminder that is 20% off and free shipping with the code terrace at manscaped.com 20% off free shipping manscaped.com use the code terrace it's time to shave those balls right we'll move on to our list of most memorable matches and next is number 31 and it was involves glorious failure like lots of scotland campaigns do uh, and it was Scotland 2, Poland 2, back in October 2015, when Black Magic by Little Mix was number one in the charts, and The Martian was number one in the UK box office. I, 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 I checked this, I thought, it was, uh, I thought it was James Arthur, Say You Won't Let Go. Okay, well, <laughs> one of those is correct. <laughs> but regardless, I appreciate that's not why we're here. <laughs> we could, I mean, I'd be happy to go on a discussion about that, to be honest. And in fairness, bear in mind, I spent uh, last night watching and researching Poland 2, Scotland 2, so I couldn't even get the game right. <laughs> right. Um, Tom, you tell us your general memories of this match while I Google to see what number one at the box office actually was. <laughs> uh, from a, from a, a strangely... Frust- I mean, all the, all the striking qualification campaigns were this weird mix of like, oh, we've actually we've actually done all right here and we've, we've blown it and all hope is gone. And like, it, it was almost like, you know, 150 years of Scottish football rolled into, into a year long campaign because there's highs and lows and sticky centers. Uh, the, 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 the Poland game is kind of a make or break. Um, 
make or break what the the penultimate match of the qualifier, where we we'd had a really nasty qualifying group with uh, Germany, Poland. So even like our our second, third, even our fifth seed was like the sort of well. A, a seed that Scotland's always had problems with uh, Team Scotland's always had problems with we, we had Germany, we had Poland Republic of Ireland, uh, Georgia and we got uh, Gibraltar parachuted into our group because they were meant to be in Spain's group but they weren't allowed to play with Spain because Spain well, I'd forgotten about that uh, so we, yeah, Gibraltar got parachuted into our group um, for their first ever qualifying campaign and we We'd kind of we'd had our, our we'd had our moments in the group that we kind of always suspected that it was going to be third place that we were looking at given it was a really good Poland team and Germany. Uh, Germany had beaten us in the first um, the first match of qualifying. Uh, we didn't disgrace ourselves in the two performances against Germany no, actually, and we'd actually we we'd started qualification reasonably well. Um, we'd. We'd lost two one in Germany, but we were we, we were level for four or five minutes. Yeah, had, had, had equalised. Point a in Poland. Victory. Yeah, yeah. moral victory. Yeah, a point in Poland. Uh, a point in Ireland. We had beaten be, Ireland be, at be home. Georgia. All looked rosy when Maloney stuck that one away against uh, Ireland at home. And yeah. as always, it's some team usually in Eastern Europe that we're supposed to be beaten that trips us up and that's what happened in this campaign ultimately I mean other than the game that we're talking about at the moment that's the game that really tripped us up wasn't it losing 1-0 to Timuri Ketsbaya's Georgia yeah and that was like for all the positivity in the in the other matches in the in this qualifier that was absolutely wretched that game was absolutely wretched like we we, we basically did at least what was expected in every other game other than the Georgia game, and we just didn't turn up at all. Like a, a a late summer game, it was hot in Georgia, and and they scored towards the end of the first half, and we just didn't really ever look like getting getting an equaliser. So it was always kind of uphill from there. Um, given Poland were Poland were doing pretty well, we were unlucky in the 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 match in Poland that. Uh, Sean knows much about it than me, more about it than me. <laughs> but, uh, had drawn uh, had drawn that two two, um, but it basically meant that it all came down to we needed to we needed to beat Poland, um, and we needed we we assumed that George, uh, that Ireland would lose to Germany, uh, so the world champions. Uh, the world champions and and Ireland had been pretty ropey in the qualifier, not least because they dropped four points to us. But but Ireland uh, always do it; they always do something to pull out the bag, aren't? Do, uh, sorry, don't they? They're just they're just that kind of team. Yeah, because we went into this game knowing that Poland and Ireland were going to play each other on the final yeah. game, meaning they both couldn't win the game. So a win against Poland would have put us in a very good position to take third, and with an outside chance of taking second. Am I right in saying? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I mean, if if uh, if Ireland had lost, they would have been on. If Ireland had lost, I'm not I can't quite work out, but basically, yeah, yeah, fifteen, sixteen points, something like that. Uh, we we had we won, then we, we could have we could have we had a, a fairly decent chance of, of finishing. I'm sure so Pol- Poland had a crazy goal difference, but um, yeah, but I'm sure did it not go down to head to head. 
Probably should have checked this before coming on. Oh. No, I would, I would have done. So, so if we'd been level while and we would have finished above them in the head-to-head. Uh, and we I, would I, have... I kind of felt... I, I feel this group is a... Is, is a perfect example of why we of why we don't qualify for tournaments. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of feels it kind of feels simplistic to to to, to boil it down to, to to things like this. But ultimately, if you if you take six points from the teams that are seated below you, and you take four points from your challengers for second place or, or third place or whatever it is, then ultimately you you'll almost certainly qualify. Or you'll be there or thereabouts. So, so based on that, we we probably needed twenty points, roughly, to to qualify from from that group. We we did very well against Ireland. Took four points from them. Can he really quibble with what we've done against Poland? You know, a, a draw home and away against a team that that was better than us. Ultimately, we we, we can't really we, we, we can't really quibble with that. But a we lost to Georgia, and we almost always drop points against the team that's that's ranked lower than us. And then we always regard the the first place team, the, the, the first ranked team as a free hit. And I don't know, I don't know if there's a mentality thing, uh, but generally you'll find that other teams will take points off Germany. So uh I mean in this in this group, Poland beat Germany, Ireland uh Ireland drew with them twice. I think I think Poland took four points off them. I think Ireland drew with them twice. Ireland also had. Uh, so I remember the, the very first game. The very first game was a Sunday night, and I was out in Edinburgh for the game. And Ireland were in Georgia, and it was. Uh, I was watching the game. And Scotland was the last game. Ireland was kicking off kind of late afternoon, and Aidan McGeady scored in about ninety-first minute in Georgia. Oh, right enough. And yeah, I said, yeah. I was at that point. That's a suit. That that's a suit because. That's the type of place that we'll go and, and and drop points. And now and now, where are Ireland going to drop points? Because Georgia is is one of the places that we, we probably needed them to to, to to struggle. And as much as I was tongue in cheek, I, I kind of believed it as well. And it, it was a strange group in that, certainly for the first half of the campaign, and then I, I think the second half of the campaign started with a one-all draw in Ireland. And and every time I watched Scotland up until that point, I thought. We've got a decent chance of qualifying here. So the the defeat in Germany, I thought it played really well. The the, the point in Poland, uh, yes, we, we were kind of clinging on late on, but but ultimately we, we played really well and, and could even have won it on on a, on a different day. But every time you've seen the scores filtering through for, for, for the other results, I mean, Ireland scored in the last minute against Georgia to win 2-1. They scored in the last minute against Germany to get a draw. They scored in the last minute against Poland, Poland to get a draw, yeah. and they just kept uh, they, they just kept finding a way to to to, to get a result. And, and you think to yourself, hmm, actually, I'm not so sure this is this is going to happen. And and this result, this this match against Poland was, you know, something Craig Anderson mentioned it earlier. But again, I, I thought at the time, two one up. But then Ireland scored against Germany to go one 0 up. Twenty minutes and to Hamden go, just just went completely flat. And I think I think I very much filtered through the players. And I'm not sure if that Polish equaliser would have happened without that weird kind of atmosphere that yeah. that encompassed Hamden at the time. 
we'll get we'll get yeah. to the that uh, that moment. Obviously, the, the crucial moment in the match. Uh, I'll go through the team quickly because I haven't done that yet. So it was Marshall and goals back for a Hutton, Martin, Hanley, and Stephen Whitaker. Um, a midfield of Scott Brown, Darren Fletcher, and then you had Matt Ritchie, Stephen Naismith, and James Forrest behind Stephen Fletcher, and we had uh, James MacArthur, Graham Dorans, and Sean Maloney come off the bench. And we couldn't have got off to a worse start. Levin Golski, get it? He scores after three minutes, which I think he's marginally offside, but I think it's one of those ones that you can't really complain about because even if he was an inch back, he's still scoring it. And it's one of those ones that you can't really blame the, the linesman for, for not giving. But Scotland showed some character to come back into it. Two excellent finishes, one from Richie and then from Stephen Fletcher. And then, I mean, we should just maybe get to it. Now, th- this has already gone on longer than I expected, but the, the crucial moment in the game is 93 minutes or whatever it is into injury time and Matt Ritchie gives away a free kick in a really terrible position. And you can see he's fuming and I think he's probably just as fuming with himself as he is with the referee for giving it because, I mean, he'll know that if that leads to a goal then he's going to be one of the people that the... The fingers pointed that, but the goal—I forgot how fucking terrible the goal was. It yeah. trundles through everybody on the pitch. It hits a, a Hanley's hand, I think it is, and clips one post, curls back, uh, and is about to go Those into the bottom corner line. anyway. And then there's a, like a scramble to put it in. So um, Lewandowski scores the the scrappiest goal he's scored in his career. But yeah, it was just not. Not only was it just like a killer moment for us, it was it was just such a pish goal. Yeah, I mean, I think first first backtracking a wee bit, like I've got a lot of love for that Matt Ritchie goal. It's like t- there's there's no run up, there's no like, he he gets it out from under his feet and he absolutely it doesn't even look it. up. It, yeah, doesn't it, look up. It, it doesn't look up to see where the goal is. He just he actually looks down as he strikes it. It's incredible. I, and there's no. Like he has to generate all of the force himself. It was there. There's no reason. Like I, I can't really think of many goals like that where there's you know, nobody's teed it up, nobody's passed it to him. The ball's pretty much, pretty much dead. But it, was, it was excellent. Forrest does really yeah. well as well, though, uh, for the goal. Number six, James yeah. Forrest does pretty well for the goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he seemed to have. A, 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 I can't remember at the time, but um, it, it was. Certainly, uh, we were under the cost a fair bit, and then Richie scores just before half time, and we came time. out in the second half and were much more up for it and and causing an awful lot more problems. But I think I think it's fair. I think there are three or four opportunities to clear that ball that if you really need to dig in and you really are, are focused, that but even once it's hit Hamley, even once it's come back off the post, even once it's rolled across the goal line, someone. Like one of the four players standing looking at it would be alert enough to get back and hack that clear rather than there being two Polish players waiting to tap it in. And I think, I think it's fair to say that, that, that maybe the heads had gone a wee bit because Ireland had had won in, I get Ireland had won in, in Dublin against Germany and had been absolutely battered, but Shane Long had scored. Uh, with with about twenty minutes to go, and it killed the atmosphere at Hamden. And Germany didn't really know what to do. Like Germany had something like 
15 shots on target and kept putting the ball across the box and you can still see the goal. the goal the goal disallowed and uh, you know all sorts all sorts were wrong but every, basically everything com- conspired against us and the, the the this ridiculous goal that we had so many opportunities to clear ultimately meant that we dropped points Ireland go into the last game knowing they're guaranteed at least third and who basically whoever wins the, the final game gets a guaranteed uh, second a guaranteed second place and uh, Ireland went on to play Bosnia in a playoff yeah. for the Euros and I mean, won I mean that's the thing that, I mean it's interesting as well so I was checking the scores for the for Euro 2016 and I mean I, I, I do think there's a I, I do think there's a mentality thing about Scotland so I don't think that Ireland team was I don't think the Ireland team was any better than us. No. But the they ended up getting four points from their group in the Euros and that involved beating Italy. Like I don't think for a minute we would have beat Italy in, <laughs> in Euro two thousand sixteen. I mean everybody everybody in that group, uh, so Germany and Poland ended up in the same group in the Euros. Poland actually won the group. Germany finished second, obviously they both went through, and then Ireland ended up getting through as well. They they finished third. But as I said, those four points there's no chance we would have beat Italy in, in Euro 2016. Wait, wait, I don't know why that is, but I don't think we're that much worse than Ireland. I, I, I don't know. I thought everybody uh, went through in that uh, after those groups, though. I thought they just like rearranged everybody into knockouts. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Did they not play like? <laughs> but we we definitely would have been one of the one of the few that they were eliminated. Yeah, they basically play, they played like sixty games to eliminate four teams. <laughs> and start again as a knockout. Yeah, I think they've got to do something with the. That, that's another discussion, but I think they've got to do something with that format. It seems it seems a bit much. Um, I know it wasn't very long ago, but is there anything that anybody misremembered or forgot about the match? Uh, I forgot how good the goals were. I forgot how good. Yeah. I, I think at the time, I don't think I've watched them back since since they went in. But at the time, obviously, you're just like so relieved that they've gone in, no matter how they've gone in. Um, and it doesn't, you know, with all Scotland goals, it doesn't really matter if it's a thing of beauty or if it's stabbed across the line from a couple of yards out. I forgot how good, like Stephen Fletcher's finish is unbelievably good. Yeah. Um, both both of the Scotland goals are, are are things of beauty. Kind of that passed me by on a second second watch. And you know, as we've covered, just how bad the Polish uh, equaliser was at the end, and Fabianski coming up for the yeah, I'd forgotten uh, the that kick at the end. Uh, I, I don't remember that either. But uh, yeah, uh, 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 an opportunity missed that whole qualifier. I think. I think one of the things to look if you look back on this qualifying group in isolation and you don't remember it at the time, you might think oh, we were maybe onto something here. At the time, it felt like an opportunity missed rather than we'd punched above our weight at any point. Well, that kind of leads on to one last thing I wanted to ask. Unless you had, you don't have anything to add there, Sean, no? No, that, you know, all I was going to say was I, I do think in the last day or two there's been a bit of uh, re- revisionism. This is my about, question, yeah. About Gordon Strachan. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think the first half of that campaign, I thought were really good and I really thought we're onto something. And I thought the second half of the campaign was really poor. That was then carried on to the start of the next campaign. And then the second half of the next campaign, it kind of looked like we're onto something again. So so does does a manager who fails to get his team 
out of two qualifying groups in succession, does he deserve to be kept on because he had two good half of halves of a campaign? I, I don't know. I, I think I think it came down to the fact that he was ultimately we got rid of him after five half decent or five good results, but but that's still not really enough. And as a drunk tartan army in Portugal applauding him after pumping Gibraltar to blame. <laughs> I don't think I help Miles. I don't think I help Miles. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I, I, I think there are there are a lot of Strachan could point to a lot of highlights from his time as Scotland manager, um, but there is an there's an awful lot of there's some there's some pretty woeful results in there. You know, drawing with Lithuania at Hamden, even the even like the Scotland, even the uh, the fact we nearly beat England. That was it was two free kicks in three minutes and would never happen um, and we should have won that game like we should have won that that, that match um, and again there is, you know to Sean's point again if it had been Ireland in that group they would they would have qualified um, so I think it was and I think with any international manager when the the with the talent that is or certainly was coming through when, when Strachan uh, left, two qualifying, two goals at getting us to qualifiers without it being ridiculously difficult groups is kind of enough. I think it's, it's fair to ask uh, for a change. I don't think, I, I think Strachan's a, like a perfectly decent manager, but um, I don't have any positive feelings about uh, his reign any more than any of the others that have been in the last you know, 10, 15 years, it was fine. And that seems like a perfect note to end it on. So uh, thanks for joining us, guys. And if any listeners want to get in touch, you can do at the usual channels through Twitter. And I don't know, do we even use Facebook anymore? There's also an email address. And be sure to check out our Patreon content at patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. And we will be back again with another show on Thursday. Say bye, guys. Cheers, bye. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.